there's rumors in the Twitter sphere. Kind of on the topic for today. Love a role on the mat. On the mats. Say on the mat tonight. On the mat. Go on the mats. On the mat. On the mat. So glad you could make it out tonight. I, uh, I really appreciate y'all bringing me on the show. Good to go. Oh, yeah! What's up, Katie? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Excellent. You want to hear something super exciting? Always. So, I have been chit-chatting with the commentator for RUF, and it looks like I might be out there in February doing their photos. Nice. So, that's, that's exciting. The, that's or- the Arizona MMA promotion, right? Yes. Awesome. Yes. Very cool. Yeah, I like Dude, that. I am so hyped. I would be doing that one in Phoenix at the beginning, at the end of February. And then a few weeks later, actually a week before that, excuse me, I would be doing the tough boy one, which might actually, it was in Phoenix originally, but it might actually be in San Diego now. So super cool stuff, branching out a little bit into the MMA world. That is awesome. Always love to see where you're headed. And we just talked about that. You got a big year plan and it's awesome that it's already rolling out. Thank you. I'm super excited. I'm doing the Ben Eddy seminar this Saturday and then heading straight over to do the jujitsu tournament and Pistoleros right after that. So I'm excited for this weekend. Super jealous that you get to photograph Ben Eddy's mustache. <laughs> All of my photos are just his mustache. There's like <laughs> nothing else. It's just his mustache. It's awesome. Yeah, it's a thing of beauty. Before we get started, Jamie just sent me a post and I had seen the picture on Instagram, but I didn't read the caption, which, you know, I should have. Marcelo Garcia just said that he's got a stomach cancer and will be starting chemo. Have you guys heard about that? No, I didn't. Yeah, Jamie just sent me the post and I was I was blown away. I love Marcelo Garcia. I've been watching him for years and years and thoughts and prayers with his family. I'm sure he's going through a lot right now, but that was devastating to hear. That's so interesting. I wonder like when he got his diagnosis, that's that's super sad. Hopefully everything like works out and he heals quickly. Absolutely. But let's go ahead and get the ball rolling on this. We're here on the Matt Jiu-Jitsu podcast. I'm your host, Coach Mark. I'm with Kay Petty as always. We're doing our thing. We got Professor Spencer coming in from Zia Martial Arts, which is going to be great because I always love talking to this guy. Professor Spencer, you can come on and say hi, please. Yeah, what's up, everybody? I'm happy to be on the mat with you guys. Is this a tweet? I don't understand Twitter. Am I am I tweeting right now? <laughs> I don't know, man. You might be verbally tweeting, I guess. Am I tweeting right now? Goodness, that cracked me up. <laughs> am I a tweet now? <laughs> so the topic today is the meta, which I love it because we're we're having the conversation and trying to think of, you know, what do we put the topic as? We talk about so much stuff when we get together, it's hard to put a, a pin on it. Yeah, but it's nice to enclose it into kind of wrangle it in into one topic for sure yeah and the meta is a great one because it gives us a lot of wiggle room and that's a word that you're hearing a lot now right and so why don't you just talk to us a little bit about what that means to you when you say it because i know we talked about you use it in your jujitsu instructions when you're instructing or demoing jujitsu moves what comes to mind when you say that so i guess what comes to mind is the only place I've seen that or heard that word used is like more in the art community. And it's basically like, uh, I mean, without without pulling out like a dictionary definition, which I don't don't have. I see it as like the collection of something that exists like kind of in a world of its own, like maybe in contemporary some type of contemporary painting that there's like a specific that the techniques you use or the colors that you choose from 
that you're limited to those within this type of contemporary art. And that is the, the meta of that art form. Yeah, you've been diving deep into art lately, especially in the tattoo side of art, right? I have. I've been, uh, I've been getting real decorative with it lately. Yeah, definitely. It's super fascinating. It's interesting how, you know, I've known some people who are pretty into art and I've never done any kind of art really myself, except for just like, I guess, music and martial arts. But uh, there's a lot of parallels. And I guess the only other place I've heard that word meta, I mean, I've heard it related to art more in traditional art, more like a like Picasso kind of stuff. Like I'm sure for deep Picasso fans, there's a Picasso meta, which would be like the words we use to describe certain things he did or techniques he did and patterns you might see regularly in his work. All of that would be a meta. So when we're talking about the meta in the art of jujitsu, what are we talking about there? I first heard the word applied to jujitsu when... It started getting really popular to separate gi techniques from no gi techniques. So then you started having, because of course, jujitsu is jujitsu. So it's hard to say, well, this is a jujitsu meta. Jujitsu is jujitsu. But within jujitsu, if you start getting different art styles, such as gi and no gi, now you have, or this is jujitsu, and here's the current no gi meta, or here's the current gi meta, or even here's the pre 2000 guard passing meta which would mean this is the collection of things that makes up what was used in free 2000 gi jiu-jitsu for guard passing right and it's changed a lot and it's so like the meta isn't one single thing but i but like either a collection or a pattern within something right right yeah that's very well put you can't have a meta with one thing one move it's kind of that, and I feel that it has to fit together somehow to be a meta. Otherwise, it's just things. But if it somehow kind of makes sense in some cohesive way, then that's, I feel like, when you start to have a meta. Right. So, like, self-reliant. It like I mean, we were talking about that today because we spent hours and hours conversing about jujitsu. How do you categorize it? How do you teach it? And it was mind-blowing for me. But, I mean... We, we kind of see those patterns changing over the years as jiu-jitsu has evolved as a whole. And so like, and you made a really cool statement where like the meta is contained within the matrix, right? Right. Yeah. So as if, you know, the matrix is jujitsu. So that would encompass gi and no gi and top and bottom and every, everything you could ever imagine. And then there would be different metas or if you could think of it like a giant spider web and then there are you know when you zoom into a spider web you have these little spider webs that make up the totality of the web i think of it that way that you have those are the meta that make up this matrix that is jiu-jitsu yeah and so we talked about like old videos like we uh, it's funny because i i was hearing you and and your dad forrest talking about when lockdown came out and pre-lockdown like certain moves that came and revolutionized and might have changed certain metas within jujitsu yeah absolutely it's interesting because some things some moves exist kind of outside of the meta and it's hard to see their connection until later and then certain things will absolutely turn what you would call the meta of jiu-jitsu on its head. Like, I mean, lockdown. Lockdown was pretty significant when it came out. Yeah. Or something like the Darce choke. When the Darce, before the Darce choke, 
an underhook from half guard was 100% offensive. And there was basically nothing that the top guy was going to do to you, save for have a really strong wizard and try to like Uchimata you back down. But the Darce choke changed everything. And that totally updated the meta of like, oh, now this is a position where top guy has basically a roadmap of offense, which would be a top half meta. He's got he's got something to play back off of. And you can have single moves like that that completely change the entire meta of jujitsu. Now we're going to say that word a lot. <laughs> half guard in itself. We talked about that. And it's one of my favorites because it's a it's a position that I built a lot of my game around. But I know when I started jujitsu watching the Gracies, there was zero game from half guard. It was non-existent. That's true. I think even if you had it developed even half of how it is today, those fights would have looked completely different. It would have been used quite a bit more than it was, at least. Uh, I think it would have been used more than what they did use. I think that's one of those positions like we were talking about before. It used to be, half guard used to be somebody being halfway past your guard. So you used to have no options there. Your goal was to try and recover full guard. That was your move. Right. Or that shitty calf slicer. Yeah, there you go. I'm not even sure how that made that in. Like, oh, that's one of those, that's one of those moves. <laughs> yeah. I'm, and then lockdown really revolutionized a lot of half guard. And then after that, people just kind of went wild with the knee shield and the Z guard and all the stuff that it's exploded after that. Yeah. And I think you were around that time too, you started to see. And you have to give the nod to Eddie Bravo and 10th Planet for at least a lot of partial credit in this, if not most of the credit, for no-gi practitioners. Before, if you did no-gi only, if you didn't do the gi, you didn't do jiu-jitsu. You were like a submission wrestler. You weren't like allowed to call yourself a jiu-jitsu fighter if you didn't wear the gi. But somewhere around that time when lockdown and some of uh, Eddie Bravo's stuff was getting kind of big. You started getting more practitioners who were officially BJJ guys, but weren't training in the gi. And at that point, you see a big progression of half guard and butterfly guard and some of those guards that had started to be written off a little bit in sport jiu-jitsu. You really saw a resurgence of those guards that you can play with like the the upper body clinch controls at a closer proximity. You saw those make a huge upswing in popularity with that as basically one of the first big movements of differentiating a gi and no gi meta and going away from just this is jujitsu meta to this is gi and no gi. And, and we can talk about this all day. I mean, we, we, we did for hours already. But, you know, before we get too late and before we open up into questions and stuff, I really wanted to give you a lot of time to talk about the uh, the weightlifting stuff that you've been going through lately because a while back you had a really big setback as far as weightlifting goes and I love the conversation that we were having about which muscles it's important to build and that point of diminishing return right right yeah an interesting topic yeah and this one totally a lot of this is pull out my bro science cap which I love to wear but the lead into that topic we were talking about is like, I'll take myself for an example. I'm about, I've got maybe about four pounds I could gain to be still at the top of my weight class and feel really good. So when someone reaches their genetic potential, what would be the prime muscular groups where there's no downside to having that be as 
big and strong as possible. Like a fun one that we actually didn't talk about earlier is the glutes. Is it possible to have like too big of a butt for jujitsu? And I know this, is, this sounds funny, but it's really not a joke. I've thought about this because with the injury that you brought up, so I herniated a disc in March on your birthday, on, on Coach Mark's birthday. And my body has not been the same since. And I've always been somebody who prides themselves on how I can use my body. And for a few days, I couldn't walk. And then there's been subsequent muscle atrophy of my, a lot of muscles in my lower leg and my glute and hamstring shrinking. And so as I've rehabbed, I've always been really into strength training. And that's how I herniated the disc actually was overdoing some of that strength pillar in my own training. But I needed to use that very same pillar and there's no running from it to get myself back to health. And I'm still on my way, but things I've made a major progression. I've thought about, okay, I'm getting about to the heaviest I can get now. I need to start zeroing in. Like if I could add that four pounds of muscle to my chest, which sounds hilarious, dude, I would look sweet. <laughs> but I'm not sure how much that would help. And there's different places that we were talking about that, you know, because I think there's a lot of situations in life where you get to kind of approach them like this. But especially in jiu-jitsu as an athlete, you really have this kind of RPG character experience where you have a lot of control over how you want to play, who you want to be, how you want to build your body, if you want to go up and down in weight. And I mean, you have a lot of control over how you create your jiu-jitsu character, so to speak. But one of the things we talked about was you can get things strong, but there are certain things that it's nice to have really big. But um, the arms, for for instance, is arms is a funny one because like a lot of athletes have skipped arm day, and I did that forever. I don't want to admit I'm working my arms now because they're still not big. So it was always fine to have noodle arms if I didn't train them. But it used to be like you were an athlete and you talked to any strength coaches. You want biceps, just do chin ups that build your back too, and compound movements. And if you play like, especially in nogi, if you play like two on one and arm drag and things like that, when you grab onto one of those Haas' arms, one of that like thick upper arms, it's freaking really hard to keep that like Coke can grip on their elbow for the two-on-one and stuff. I think there are actual muscles that you can kind of almost change your, change your physiology a little bit to be harder to grip or, or harder to deal with. Yeah, and there's certain ones that may be good and certain ones that may not. Like we talked about the pecs, right? Yeah, or one that immediately comes to mind is like, if there's a hierarchy, like which one just snaps into your mind as fast as possible? Oh, there's no downside to having that muscle bigger, stronger, everything. The neck, the neck is the first one for me. Yep. Number two would be grip. There's no, there's no downside having bigger forearms. There's no downside to having stronger hands in jiu-jitsu. That's the majority of your connection to your opponent is your hands. If I could create the, the ultimate jiu-jitsu character, you'd look just like Popeye. Yeah, I can't remember Popeye's legs. Did he have chicken legs? I think he did, but man, those forearms. He had like big old calves, I think. Yeah, he had, he, those forearms were massive. He had a big old Adam's apple like Brittany Griner too. <laughs> <laughs> How Spencer gets us kicked off the meta 101. Elon's <laughs> right, got Twitter now. What's up? We can, uh, this is a free speech platform now. Things have changed since the old on the mat days. 
Yeah. <laughs> we can say what we want. We can have uh, David Munoz come back and drop some of his. David was. He was dropping some. We'll have, and he's a, he's a constant listener, man. He's, he's really dedicated. We will bring him on. But no, so Hans, where did we land on the glutes? Because I don't think he's... Well, I can't imagine. So leg size is actually kind of like one of those things like arm size. Like we all grapple with a black belt that has size. He's just thigh, yeah, yeah. He's a, <laughs> oh my, oh my quad. <laughs> he's so Quandula. thick. And so, yeah, when you try to wrap like a single leg, he's, he's 30% sprawled just existing. <laughs> like when your arm, when your arm would normally reach all back, all the way back around until your thumb touches your collarbone and you grab someone like that and your hand, your arm is like mostly straight. They don't have to work as hard to sprawl out of your straight arm like that. So there are things I think that just being super thicky Ryan downstairs is probably, probably a good thing. But I would say glutes. So I actually felt what it was like to lose the ability to bridge completely with that glute atrophy. And that is one of the worst things. So I would say glutes get a total positive. And actually, that's one of the cool muscles that I would bet for any sport. There's probably no strength coach you could talk to who would say, yeah, you want to keep them a little bit smaller and weaker because of this or that. Probably bodybuilding, any strength sport. I, it wasn't cool back in like the 80s and 90s, but I feel like even men and women aesthetically now, I feel like glutes gets like the A plus of approval for maximum strength and hypertrophy achieved. Right. It's very respected in just about every realm. True. You'd be an arm wrestler with cakes even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We talked about one of mine. One of my favorite is the, the hamstrings. Hamstrings have to be my personal favorite. I agree with the neck, 100% on the neck, but hamstrings is definitely high up there. Yeah, I like the hamstrings too. When you're playing like, a, and there's a ton of places, even just knee health and knee stability and stuff. But if you're talking about, because the hamstrings have two functions, but specifically like the leg curl function where you're bending your heel towards your butt. That's the motion that you'll play, like you'll use a lot, kind of pulling your feet like out of, leg locks and stuff and people who are really grabby with the legs in nogi again my my right hamstring it's still it's still like pretty shrunken down but it's it's recovered some and that that when i lost the ability to pull my heel back like that it was so hard to stay out of leg locks so on the opposite side of that coin i imagine if those were big and strong Interesting side tangent because this is a muscle that I've actually heard talked about. If you read uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding, a super old book, but always, I think, updated every few years. Not that he's the end-all be-all for like sports information, but I do find this interesting. He said, because he would go running for cardio apparently, and he said his leg biceps, which are what you called the hamstrings back in the 70s, that his leg biceps were too big for him to run effectively. And that if they were smaller, he could run better. So I don't know if there's anything like that. I'm getting in the way for triangles or anything like that that could affect one in jiu-jitsu. But it is interesting that it's been postulated before that having too large of a lower body muscle would actually slow down running rather than the opposite. I'm not sure it's true, though. I think it probably would actually work the other way. But having more contractile tissue to create force into the ground would make you run faster is the current supposition in sports training for sure we also talked about the lat oblique yeah that one's that's interesting and actually that's funny you bring them both up together 
because your lats actually originate down at your tailbone. So like they also insert up to the upper arms. So it's a super long sweeping muscle. But if you do something like train the external obliques, so the external obliques is one that I thought of. It's actually a muscle that bodybuilders will shy away from trying to make bigger because it will increase the size of your waist. But I think increasing the size of your waist is kind of like the arm and leg argument. Having a bigger waist as a grappler, having a thicker waist, especially if it's muscle, is not going to be a detriment but also inversions and if you feel just like rotation or trying to escape a takedown where you base one hand into the mat and you're trying to lift your hips off the ground like a side plank kind of all of those motions if you have weak obliques and you'll feel somebody kind of like dragging you sucking you back in if you have weak obliques and you can't get your hip off the ground basing into the ground you can't get out and i think it's one of those muscles you would if somebody was wearing a shirt they could gain a pound on each side rib and be like this phenomenally better athlete. And you wouldn't see it in a t-shirt whatsoever. He has like two pounds on his side, man. I, when you <laughs> mentioned his last good Lord. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there, that is a muscle that that's the bigger, biggest upper body muscle. It spans so far and can get self-fit. Dude, I love this shit so much. No, but it's just so I think about it a lot. And I know I, I think I've mentioned this before is with uh, football. Uh, there was this really good coach. I was watching him and he really made the connection for me in football as a high school football player as to why we're always in the gym and why we spend so much time lifting weights. We know I thought it was just, OK, well, you want to get stronger. But no, it's for it's to build specific movements for your sport. And there are certain mm -hmm. muscles work for certain sports like bodybuilding they want the thin waist because they want to look bigger for visual effect right yes for us we need a thicker waist because hopefully we'll be harder to body triangle yeah and the actual contractile strength of if you think a way like a snake moves its spine you have muscles on each direction of your spine that standing or prone or whatever kind of give you the ability to curl and twist and I can't imagine that it would be a bad idea to have anything surrounding your spine that protects your spine, helps you control and, and manipulate the direction of your spinal movements. That would, would always be a benefit to that athlete. A lot of people struggle with that lower back, you know, like you talked about the spine and, and, and a lot of problems there as they, as, they, as they grow older or as they continue in athletics. Yeah, uh, that's one of the number one. I mean, lower back pain i'm sure is like a billion something dollar industry you know definitely the reason uh, college strength coaches keep their athletes in the gym is because they don't want them like out partying getting somebody pregnant and ruining their whole career you just got to keep them tired man and time to whip and post <laughs> and sometimes it still doesn't work tell you there's like uh race horses they don't let them they don't let them ever meet a female horse until after they're completely retired this is true and then they sell that shit for millions. Yeah, I'm telling you, new Twitter, freedom of speech. <laughs> I yeah. feel like the cancel police sometimes. I'm like, all right, y'all. <laughs> what is going to yeah, keep right? us from not being in trouble yeah. right now? We need somebody, we need somebody current with, so with some current thinking to, to rein this in a little bit. Yeah, and Katie's always great for that. Thank you, thank you. I man, this conversation about meta. I know we've been chit-chatting about all sorts of awesome stuff, but... I love the term meta because it's 
like the definition of it is it's not only like looking into oneself but transforming as well and i think it's really cool to look at your body as almost a meta and like how you can transform yourself to transcend to that next level and i don't know i just i think it's really interesting and like with jujitsu body goes I feel really fortunate that I am the shape that I am because it plays so well into the game that I naturally fell into because I have those crazy long arms and crazy long legs. And like just thinking about creating muscle, it's, I, I don't know, man. Like I, I'm trying to think of how I would create my jujitsu player. And right now I feel really fortunate that there's not much I would change about myself personally. What about you guys? Four pounds of glutes, dude. I would get, I would take that four pounds and put it right on my, right on my caboose. You said, I'm going to be a cake player. Your entire yeah, jiu game was just cake. Great player. His name is Cake Master 3000. He just like double legs through everyone and no one can stop his like forward momentum. There uh, is no submission. It's just position. Yeah. Furthest thing from my actual playable character. What about you, Mark? I feel like I know the answer to this already, but for fear of sounding like I'm roasting you really hard, how would you uh, change yourself? Oh, I know exactly where you're going, and I would absolutely add height. <laughs> <laughs> A couple inches, but where? Right. <laughs> it's funny. In basketball, when I was in high school, I would like I would jump as high as I could, and if the if the pass was too high and I, and I missed it, my coach would yell at me, "Mark, grow!" Oh no. <laughs> Oh no. oh no i can't coach yeah i would have been a great basketball player if i would have been a little bit taller but man i come from that soccer player stock where we're just short mexicans but listen that's a good jujitsu build too my favorite thing i don't know if y'all how often y'all frequent bjj headquarters um, but they actually have this like size chart where it's the three different like body types and I can't, it's ectomorph, endomorph, and then there's another one. And that was so interesting to me because I didn't realize that those are basically like the three jujitsu player types that you usually run across. Have y'all ever seen that? Yeah. So those are the three human body types from like Latin biology or Greek, I guess. And endomorph, so ectomorph is like the like thinner, mesomorph is like the athlete kind of medium build and endo is like the, the naturally thicker, heavier build. It's interesting because we were talking about those builds in relation to jujitsu meta earlier in that each morphic change in the body has a different. So there's like thick person game and like flexible bendy person game and, you know, like a strong athletic muscle structured person meta. Each body type has its own meta, too. So that's funny that you bring that up. And I haven't heard it in relation to jujitsu sizes. Thank you for seeing that. <laughs> Finish my point somehow. I was like, no, that wasn't that wasn't right. <laughs> Did that crack me up? Not only are you gonna be the cake master, you're also gonna be the yeah. resident Disney princess. Is that a tweet? Is it a tweet when I sing it? <laughs> So for those of you that don't know Professor Spencer very well, he does this a lot. He sings his, he sings a lot of his dialogue and it's great. It's great stuff. He also does amazing impressions. I mean, Jesse Ventura was with us for a long, long time. I miss Jesse. And, you know, after Yeah, you know, I know about the meta. I've heard about uh, Mark Zuckerberg and <laughs> he's coming out with this thing called meta. I was way ahead of you guys. Okay. We were actually talking about it, but I'm not going to tell you about my billboard in Mexico. 
but I had a meta. I once lived inside of my own meta. So, so you can take that to the bank in DC and you can cash it. Jesse, you were not talking about the meta before anyone else. Uh, Jesse- it was meta. That was it was because I was making a metamorphosis in my career, and I was the first one to do that when I starred in Predator. <laughs> you were Jesse. You were not the star of Predator. Yes, I was that. Uh, I was the biggest action star of the eighties. Actually, I heard that Arnold Schwarzenegger had bigger biceps than Jesse Ventura. I don't know who who you're talking about. <laughs> you don't know Arnold Schwarzenegger? I've never heard that name in my life. <laughs> oh my god, I miss Jesse so much. <laughs> Y'all, I just got breaking news right now. What's Let's that? go. This is a tweetable moment. I am officially going to be shooting Rough 52. Just got notification right now. So that's a tweet. That's definitely a tweet. That could be a tweet. Yes. In theory, okay. I could tweet that. I'm not going to because it'd be kind of weird. But I do feel like sharing it with my friends on this podcast. So there's that. Freedom of speech radio, dude. Honestly, so like really interesting. Speaking of meta, one thing that's yeah. neat is that I have to actually kind of look into the photos that I share now because I had one up that was someone with a bloody nose. And with the new rules, because of like the interesting like Facebook metaverse and stuff, that can actually go against guidelines, even though it's art technically because it's, you know, photography. So really interesting the way they have started kind of like adjusting the way that we look at art and how art is presented on online platforms. Which I think is absolutely ridiculous. I the other day I walked into a cactus and I couldn't see it was sticking out in the nighttime. It caused a call small cut on my face. I uploaded a picture and it also got taken down because of blood. I literally don't get paid enough for this. The checks in the mail. Checks in the mail. Yeah. I lost track of where we were going with this. All right, Mark, get us back on the get yeah. us back on the on track. So let's open up the lines if anybody has questions for uh, Professor Spencer about uh, meta, about working out, about jiu-jitsu or anything, definitely raise your hand. Let me know. We'll start opening it up. So you had a very, very amazing statement. And this is higher level jiu-jitsu thought that I that I want to say. We were- oh, no, that one's not ready to reveal yet. We might be wrong. Oh, man. I don't know what you're thinking about. All right. So we're, too early. Working, we're working on something really, really big as far as the adult curriculum goes. And we've been having fun with the kids' curriculum, trying to categorize everything. But maybe you're right. Maybe that one, maybe people aren't ready for that one I yet. think, dude, it's funny, though, because I was thinking about that earlier. But it's even spicier if people are wondering what we're talking about. But it'll be good. Yeah, it'll go into a nice... See, that's, that's another meta. <laughs> it is. It is. I was just thinking about that, though. That's funny. But yeah, in general, the curriculum is crazy, blowing my mind. And I don't think this about a lot of things. So I hope people who might hear this who don't know me as well might think that this is overly or delusionally confident. But I don't think this about things very often in my life. But I actually think that this is pretty revolutionary. And it might take like one or two years. It might take five or ten years. I see we and this own and, and the curriculum itself as like a living document on the precipice of being something actually revolutionary i put that right today december 16th 1988 (laughs) (laughs) no i agree i talk about epiphanies a lot and i i feel like i've had at least one or two epiphanies at each rank and to be there when you said something like that was really cool because as you get higher and higher up the scale those become fewer and far between you've seen so much by that time 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's really well put. Exactly. You, know, you have those epiphanies or huge upswings in in skill or understanding, and then you spend more and more time on plateaus between epiphanies or upswings of skill and understanding. And the higher you go, the more you just got to learn to marry up and make love to the plateau. Yeah, fall in love with the grind. Yeah, exactly. Same thing. Exactly. Rob has his mic. You ready to go, Rob? Yeah, what's up? What's up? I signed in and I could not stop laughing, guys. I just signed into you doing impressions and you talking about body types and that was pretty I know, funny. I'm, with, I'm, I'm taking a walk, actually, with Jesse. I, I don't know what you're talking about with impressions. Yeah, I'm right <laughs> over here. That's hilarious, yeah. No, yeah, you guys just gave me a big laugh right now. But no, I think that's really cool about the whole like meta and the, and the body types. That's some really good information. And for body types, what would your advice be to bigger guys, like bigger guys like me? Side control, baby. Yeah, smash and pass. Smash and pass. I'm in Denver this week for work. And I was texting Mark that this Sunday I went to an open mat and I rode with a 300-plus pounder purple bout who whooped my ass. Oh, Nice. Yeah, like he Break was your blue belt in a little bit. Yeah, he was taller than me. He was bigger than me. He was faster than me. I was doing good, and then I rode with him, and I'm like, wow, shit. This is a big boy. Oh, that's all right, though. It's nice to have somebody bigger and better. It's good to have somebody better than us every now and then, you know? Oh, yeah, no, and then I, I just got to say, like, for, for me being a big guy, like, I feel so bad when I'm mounting you guys because I think I got a taste of what it feels like when a big guy mounts you. It's never fun to have a, well, this is subjective. I will say that for me, it's never fun to have a big guy on top of me. But I feel like you do a pretty good job of it. In my garage, when I was training in my garage, I wrote down for big guys. Big guys in side control was on my dry erase board for two months, for probably a whole summer when I first started training. It was rough. I just read the book, The Secret, and he was that was his vision board. He was hoping to wake up one day with just a big guy in side control on top of him. <laughs> My dream came true, man. I got a bunch of them. We got all the big guys on top side of me now. It's great. <laughs> it's interesting that Katie brought up the body types because that's something that popped up when we were having these conversations about what path should we choose. And I love something that we touched on at the very beginning that you said is that you're you're not stuck with the body that or the avatar that you're given you can change it you can mold it you can become more flexible i I can't get taller but i can become more flexible which will help me get into spots that i couldn't and i think one other thing that jujitsu teaches us is it also teaches us how to love our body type because yeah we're like man i wish i had that body type or this size or this strength but then some of those big guys can't do the stuff that the that we can do and you know we got a whole bunch of game that we're great at so i just wanted to say those two things i thought it was great that it came up and i felt right along with that mark i think that like understanding i one of my favorite things whenever i tell people as they start getting into martial arts is like understanding your own personal journey and then capitalizing on that and i like the fact that when it comes to our bodies we can do that too because clearly like i will probably never ever beat someone rob size and i have come to terms with that i've accepted it but are there ways that i've been training my body especially like flexibility wise to make it the best that it can be in the situations that i am yes i have and i think it's it's really cool that we have the opportunity to do that and understanding that everyone has strengths they can play to has been really for me personally i think that was one of my like 
first white belt epiphanies because at first I was kicking myself because I was like, dang, I'm so much smaller than everyone. And I would literally just get crushed sometimes and it would drive me crazy. And then I realized like me being small is an asset when I'm using it correctly. And so I think for me personally, I know we've been talking about epiphanies, like understanding that I can play to strengths and build up my character where I can um, is just as beneficial as being shaped as someone differently. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's awesome. When did you realize that? Was that a white belt epiphany or was that at blue belt? That was a white belt epiphany. That was probably about like six months in when I was rolling at ZM and Bannock actually started trying when he was rolling with me. <laughs> he actually put in like an ounce, not saying that he didn't put an effort, but like, you know how when you first start, obviously like he's not going super crazy or anything. And, and I realized like I kept getting stuck underneath him. And then I was like, well, shoot, I'm so little. There's spaces that I can capitalize on. And it just like blew my mind because Again, every, usually I'd be like, oh, dang, I'm just so much smaller than everyone. It sucks. And then I realized, like, there were spaces people were leaving that I could get through that most people bigger than me can't because it's just not there. Yeah. And in people with super long frames, super big frames, there's a ton of space that they have to cover. Professor Spencer said, you know, he talked about the really big guys. We called it, I, I, I said it was the third knee because having a big belly in some cases when you're in side control is really beneficial because it's hard to move under there as opposed to someone who is really thin with low body fat. There's a lot more space. That is also a tweetable comment, FYI. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So I, should, so I should keep my belly then. Yeah, yeah. It definitely helps, man. And then again, like somebody with a, like Keith with a taller frame, if he was trying to do that same move that you were doing, it'd be easier to get out of. Yeah, but let's be honest. Keith is just strong as fuck, and he can do a lot. Because of those lats? Man. <laughs> yeah, they are. I don't know if Jesse took Spencer out or Brittany Garner caught up with him. He, he Hopefully, he's safe on his walk or run. Uh, <laughs> you guys are, no, I, I'm taking over that shit. <laughs> this was super awesome, man. Super awesome conversation. Anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up? If I get started on something else, man, we'll be here a whole nother hour. And we'll definitely find another one to do. We're going to do a tattoo one soon. The tattoo one's going to be really fun. But I appreciate all of you guys for showing up, for participating and making this thing what it is. I love it. I look forward to it. So I appreciate you guys. You guys are the reason I do this. And I enjoy hanging out with you guys any chance I get. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you guys so much. No, thanks, guys. I guess that was okay. Call me anytime. <laughs> I love Jesse. He was the mayor of, or the governor of Minnesota, and he body slammed Hulk Hogan in the <laughs> WrestleMania 3. <laughs> but absolutely love it, guys. Stay posted. Shoot me any messages, any comments. We love it. We're going to be posting this stuff on YouTube again. Remember, the Zia Rumble Blue Belt Bash is coming up on the 28th. It's going to be a great time. All of us are going to be out there. So definitely come out and check it out. Look for a lot more stuff coming from us this year. Ooh, and before we wrap up, Mark, I wanted to touch base and see if this would be a possibility, perhaps after the Zia Rumble, that next week we might be able to do a recap for all of our loyal listeners who might not be able to make it. Yeah, that'd be a great one. We can recap. We can go over the events. That'd be awesome, actually. Great idea. Stellar. So y'all stay posted. Blue Belt Rumble is going to be super great. Super excited to be there. Super excited to be doing photos and excited to see everyone competing. Just like Mark said, thank y'all every day for coming out here and supporting us. Super cool stuff. I think having conversations like this is so important because it helps introduce you to the community and it helps bring to light some topics that sometimes aren't really talked about a lot, especially like 
just in a friendly atmosphere like this. So again, thank you guys so much. Super appreciate all y'all and can't wait for the next one.